0: 32 Counties.
1: 32 Questions.
0: My name is Una. Je m'appelle Andrea. And this is... United Ireland. United Ireland. Every week we take a county and dive into an issue relevant to that county and then see where in the world it brings us.
1: We do have two counties left for those who are counting and are waiting on their county. They are coming. And then... Big news, we might have a rejig on your hands. We had our big away day, part one. Very exciting. We got out the whiteboards and the uh, PowerPoints and the projectors and went hell for leather.
0: It was just me and Andrea talking on Zoom at each other for two hours, actually.
1: <laughs> but but new things are coming. But for this week, uh, as Dublin City Council invites submissions on its 2022-2028 to 2028 development plan the city is up for grabs. So we're talking to DCC Planner about this mammoth project and most importantly, how you can contribute to build a city you don't want to live, leave. I think it would be more positive to say to build a city that you want to live in. So I'm, yeah. so I'm going positive today. It's a it's a vibe. We're putting out the positive energies and the vibes.
0: Um, thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon as per usual on a new month a few people get knocked off so if you want to check back in and see that you're still supporting uh, give us a little review if you want and um, when you do sign up to support us on Patreon you get the Sunday Soothe which last week's one in particular if you haven't listened to it yet I found it very helpful
1: it's just the episode that just keeps on giving to be honest isn't it the Sunday Soothe yeah, big time. But for now, it's the state of the nation. Andrea, what's the state? Nothing really happened this week. It was kind of like a chill week. Just people were making up stories practically because it was so quiet. It's like that summer time where there's like, what's that crazy time called where people just fill with empty Pages with stuff. Silly season. Silly season, yeah. It was like that, wasn't it? Actually, it was like silly season. First of all, Trump was impeached uh, in the House of Representatives. It's to move forward. They're not, Mitch McConnell isn't going to call it back uh, until the day before Joe Biden um, gets his little moment on. On a side note to Joe Joe Biden, guess who is singing his um, national anthem when he is being sworn in? I do not know. Lady Gaga. Guess who else is supporting? I do not know. Our queen. It's her moment. Jennifer Lopez. Yes.
0: Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Actually, watch Hustlers again the other night. Um... that's that's all of the... God, we haven't talked about j in a long time.
1: Well, her, you? her mo- you're welcome, J-Lo. We put you on that national stage and now you are uh, having your moment. So congratulations. Yeah, it was all us. I love that we've got... That's our story on Trump being impeached. j performing.
0: <laughs> Obviously, um, this has been a really intense week uh, in Ireland for news with the publication of the Mother and Baby Homes report and all of the discourse around that. Um, We thought a lot about discussing this and I actually think we'll probably discuss it in a couple of weeks because I feel like there is an awful lot of discussion about it at the moment and as you know when you listen to this podcast we kind of like to take our time and digest things and go back to them and we didn't just want to react and be repeating the things that other people are Um, I think when I I was kind of getting angry about the emphasis on society because that can be a mechanism to not have accountability um amongst the people who were the architects of that society. But I kept coming back to this idea of shame. I've got a piece this week in The Times about an end to shame. And um, this book that I really enjoy, I Choose Elena by Lucia Osborne Crowley. There's loads in it about shame. It's about kind of recovering from sexual trauma. But one of the parts of it, she quotes um, Branny Brown, who I kind of always go back to this quote on shame. Guilt and shame are profoundly different emotions. Guilt is the feeling that you've done something bad. Shame is the feeling that you are bad. Guilt is internally constructed based on our knowledge of ourselves and the recognition that our behavior has deviated from the self. Shame, on the other hand, is given to us by others. Shame is inorganic. Guilt says I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. So hopefully this report and the discourse that emerges from it leads us to a place where we're not taking on that guilt and processing it as shame anymore. Uh, And so we should declare an end to shame, I think. Declared. Declared. Um, (laughs) Ireland's infection rate was the worst in the world last week. Uh, Jesus, there's not many. I mean, it's just very kind of this confluence of like darkness at the moment. I was hypothesizing a while ago that like the three lockdowns have three different personalities or qualities with regards to the consciousness raising. I think the first one was economic and the second one was kind of cultural personal. And I felt, you know, in December, November, December, when we kind of knew that another lockdown would happen because of how our leaders were, acting in terms of thinking that the pandemic could skip Christmas, uh, that the third lockdown would be political, a political consciousness raising. And I think that we're kind of seeing that emerge and it'll be interesting to see what the impact of that is. Uh, Obviously, deaths are rising, cases dropping, but as Leah Varadkar put it on the radio the other day, the die has been cast. By whom, I wonder? Um, so Stephen Donnelly, (laughs) well, we're, we're sending, um, good vibes and healing vibes to anyone who's sick at the moment or who's isolating and also condolences to people who are losing loved ones. Uh, this is a difficult time and it's hard to feel that the trauma is happening out there for a lot of people and these massive death tolls um are just being announced every day it feels very very sad um so i don't know what you really say about that like we're just kind of in it i
1: feel like what i I feel like it's just we are just head down and getting through it and like if we're lucky enough to, and that seems to be the only option at the moment um and trying to steer away from the uh, the anger and frustration of this being completely avoidable and I think that's what makes it the hardest to 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 have to deal with when you're not seeing anyone you're not doing anything like it like everything is just stopped. And for some people, their lives. And it was just, it was completely avoidable.
0: Yeah, I think um, holding all of those frustrations at the same time while trying to get through it, like you're saying, Andrea, is a a tricky thing. Um, We've spoken about Facebook moderators and content moderators a lot on this podcast before. And something else is going on right now in Dublin, Andrea. What is that?
1: Uh, So the Facebook moderators who are employed by Covalen, they were told that they were essential workers and that they had to come back to work in the building. So they were then provided with taxis to get home if they were working night shifts. But now it's emerged that that has been taken away from them. So these essential staff, it seems, are not quite essential um, in terms of what's being provided to them. So there's a big... uh, there's a big story in the times.co.uk about it all um, and how the, the the light is being shone further and further on moderators. And uh, somebody was highlighting, I think Donnie uh, was tweeting about it and someone was highlighting our episode of how it was quite an eye opener in terms of Facebook moderation. If you haven't listened to maybe go back and have a listen to that. Cool.
0: Um, and now
1: for some good news.
0: one item of good news put down here and that is that Sally Rooney's new novel has been announced for September aptly titled I think it's something that we're all asking right now, Beautiful World Where Are You? Um, Going to be another big year for the, the Rune Meister <laughs> That is terrible It's going to be a big year for Sally Rooney again and fair play to her um, So Andrea Will we talk about something we just hardly ever talk about? What could that be? I believe it's time to talk about planning in Dublin City.
1: Now, the Dublin City Development Plan is something of a blueprint for the city. It's a big undertaking that tends to guide a fair bit of what happens on the ground from the council's perspective. What kind of development gets planning permission, what things are needed, what aren't, are all in the mix. We're joined today by John O'Hara, who's a city planner at Dublin City Council. And today we're going to be talking to him about the plan and most importantly, how you can contribute. Uh, Welcome to United Ireland, John.
2: Thank you very much, Andrea. Uh, I'm glad to be on your show.
1: Um, Could you tell us how you got into planning?
2: Oh dear, it's a long time ago now. Um, I got into planning. Mainly because um, um, I, uh, for A level, I done a mixture of art, English literature, uh, geography, and biology. And when I went to went to my uh, uh, careers teacher, I said I wanted to use all of those uh, subjects. Uh, she said to me, "Well, there's only one area that I know that you can use that broad range of stuff, and that is uh, uh, town planning." Now, town planning was rare enough in Ireland at that time, uh, so I went for it. But uh, I went to Manchester from there. So uh, it was because was that blend of the art and science of placemaking that took me into planning. Um, So I was now, because I was neither comfortable being a scientist or a pure artist.
0: How does the planning office in Dublin City Council operate, John? Like how many planners are there and what what are the general kind of job descriptions of what people are doing?
2: Okay. Um, Well, there are about 60 planners here um, uh, for the Capital City were supported by an administration of a bit of a, simi- a, a similar number. Um, the uh, p- the planners are uh, mainly, but half of those planners are involved in development management, i.e. deal with planning applications, uh, uh, of which we deal with 3,000 per annum roughly. Um, then we have uh, uh, the forward plans group, uh, which uh, of which there's a Development plan team, uh, which is working at the moment, as you know, with the preparation of the development plan. We also have a conservation team um, uh, that that deals with conservation matters um, and, and city archaeology. Um, and then we have an enforcement section that deals with the, the um, those people who don't wish to comply with with the city development plan or planning permissions. So roughly, that's the, the way the, pla- the the planners are, di- are divided up.
0: And what does your day-to-day job look like?
2: Oh, um, well, my day-to-day job—I uh, have to try and make that uh, that group of planners work uh, coherently and efficiently and smoothly and for the for for the for the good of the city. So, my daily job is about uh, essentially. Meetings with all those people, making sure the objectives in the plan uh, and the development plan are are being uh, followed. Um, so uh, my main job from day to day is uh, meeting the various teams, sub teams, uh, making sure we're all singing from the hymn, same hymn sheet, making Tribune people know. Um, then my other part is having meetings, uh, Zoom and meetings that now with. Uh, developers um, uh, on their on their proposals for the future and with city councillors uh, with regard to uh, uh, items for, for say, city council meetings and indeed for, for the city development plan.
1: What would you say is the work that you're most proud of, be it a project or a design or an outcome even?
2: <laughs> um, it's a difficult question, uh, uh, well I I, I really, am, I'm. I feel proud and privileged, really, to, to be to work in a capital city. I'm. I came back from uh, working in the UK in Liverpool and Essex. Not uh, for uh, eighteen, twenty years ago. Now, I'm just still pinching myself a bit uh, that, that, that that I'm so proud to to work in, in in Dublin, the capital city. Um, the things I've been involved in since that is. Um, uh, the Docklands, um, uh, maybe people criticise, but I'm really proud of how we turned around a major brownfield site there and now we have uh, over 2,600 uh, apartments uh, built there uh, under construction since 2015, um, uh, a whole new quarter down there, the Martha Schwartz Place, uh, Plaza. It's, it's, I think that's a major achievement for this city and I'm, I'm, I am quite, quite proud of that, to be honest.
1: Oh, yeah. What do you think are the biggest planning issues facing the city uh, straight away, uh, short term, and long term?
2: Well,. The biggest, well, straight away, the biggest issue facing our city is the is the COVID pandemic. Um, um, The the impact on retail and and the uh, and the vitality of the city streets is is enormous and and uh, scary at times. Um, Allied with that is um, the remote working uh, and the absolute. Reduction in the amount of uh, office workers work in the city and uh, um, uh, on that much. So that's the that's that's a very um, important uh, thing at the moment. Um, Mid term going forward uh, the, is that as part of the. Um, the national st- strategy we have to cater for an extra 60 70,000 people in this city in the next six years and maybe 130,000 in the uh, up to 240. Um, that's uh, uh, we have so that's that's a big challenge and the challenge uh, associated with that is getting the the the, the employment associated with that all the, all the infrastructure um, we're, public transport, uh, w- water, all the rest of it, and the, and the social infrastructure, schools, hospitals, uh, community facilities that will support that growth in population because the important thing for, uh, for that for we have to do is to, to marry and align all of those things so that uh, nothing is out of sync. The, the other important thing, long term for the city, it's to make sure that we have a city that people continue to want to live in, continue to want to uh, to come to and work in. Um, we have to avoid uh, climate change is a big issue for, for for the country and the city now. And our contribution will, to that will be to use every means possible to curtail ur- further urban sprawl to, to, to make sure. And, the, and the, what we have to face here is that uh, the corollary of curtailing urban sprawl is... Higher density, quality density, density in the city, a more compact city. And again, it's not density for its own sake, to to the extent that people don't want to live in the city. uh, But the the density will be uh, to to make the city uh, more attractive uh, to uh, and. in order to make that happen, uh, we have to have quality open space, um, uh, uh, quality, quality culture, quality uh, environment, uh, all close by. And that is why uh, uh, we're uh, we've bringing in, the or we have brought in, the mixed-use approach to, to, to city living and now from Paris and other European cities, the idea of the 15-minute of the city whereby um, people, where people live where they get uh, where they go to school where they go out for an evening all should be within uh, walking uh, public transport uh, uh, dis- distances so within 15 minutes 20 minutes ideally so that's a big challenge and we'll have to we we'll have to work in the new development plan to, to 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 make sure we achieve that that type of european style city in the future
0: you know when you're talking about the the immediate challenge of of covid in the city which is so huge john like are you guys having conversations about Ha- what will happen to offices or office developments? There's been loads of kind of things written about the potential to convert offices back into residential and this kind of thing. Like, what kind of chats are you having about that? Oh
2: yeah, we are th- we are thinking about that um, uh, 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 currently, and we're keeping uh, we're keeping an eye on office occupancy rates in, in the city. Um, there are a couple of things at play here at the at the at the at the top level. We've got to keep. Um, the vibrancy of the city uh, there, whether that uh, and the vibrancy of the city say within the canals is about the mix, the mix of activities and the mix of uses in the city, uh, and that invo- that's residential, work, whether it be office work and and uh, recreational, cultural uses, uh, and retail. So, the balance of that uh, may shift. Uh, we 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 may ha- need to get more well we will need to get more residential in the city to to increase the vitality in the in the city. Uh, when you look closely at the at uh, it's not as simple as it seems to just cha- uh, reimagine or re- repurpose office buildings. Um, first of all, office buildings. Um, uh, it may well be that post post COVID. You have less people in in an office you have uh, uh so they'll be more spread out, so you'll still need the same office space but may, but instead of a hundred people per floor it's only fifty people on the floor so we may still need the, uh, the same office space um with reduced numbers of people. The second point I'm working closely with our building control people looking at uh, how you might change office buildings of the come, but a lot of the Office buildings are, in the, from the seventies, eighties, nineties, are are not of a suitable standard for residential uh, conversion. They have got poor insulation. They're very deep in their floor plate, so it's hard to get light into them for 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 uh, good residential living. And there are things like that need to be looked at. If if an office building is suitable for, res- sorry, if an office site is suitable for residential, it may well be better to to uh, have a purpose-built new, new, uh, uh, new apartment building on the site. So that's the sort of thinking we're going through at the moment, nothing definitive at this stage.
1: John, I have this thing in my mind where I'd love to have an event where people come and list, plan their ideal city and make a list of all the things that have to be in it and then fit them in to fit. Like, let's say that you have to have like childcare, you have to have a school, you have to have a uh, mm. nightclub, you have to have um, a well. teacher. How far off the mark is this when it comes to actually planning a city? Like, do you get to do a checklist of everything that needs to go in and then fit it in, or does how does it work?
2: Well, that, well, that's that's not far off the mark, uh, you know. As I say, the, the 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 city the city is is like a very complex uh, old fashioned clock where all the cogs uh, are of different sizes and that, but they have to relate and have to work together to, in order to, to chime uh, correctly. You know, um, uh, the city evolves; it's shaped by its its history and et cetera. Et cetera. But um, so all of those things that you talk about, all those parts of the jigsaw. Um, we, uh, uh, there are different pressure groups in the city, different, different uh, groups and individuals and, and um, uh, lobby groups with different, different weights attached to them. It's our job as a planning authority to balance that out and to, 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 achieve, uh, to achieve the right mix. To help us achieve, achieve that, we have um, thankfully a democracy, and thankfully, we have 63 councillors. So those 63 councillors, in essence, um, uh, represent their communities. The various communities take soundings from them, and it is those 63 councillors that we report on on the stages of the development plan and what people are saying to us. Um, so if you list out your things about what you what you or what's a priority for you in the city, they go to the. Uh, the councillors, the councillors, uh, and specifications and through that checks and balance we we arrive at um at, at what we we think is is the right combination of uses and activities for the city above that there has to be an evidence base and of course there is an evidence base we we do carry out regular audits of what uh, with safer schools take an example we we uh, conduct an audit of as the population increases um uh, uh, of the birth rate in given areas, of uh, uh, and we t- talk to the Department of Education and Science about the needs uh, for growth areas in the city for for different for 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 different levels of education.
1: How hard is it to plan a city for everyone, though? Like because there's so many different needs, how can you make sure that you're catering to everyone's different needs?
2: Uh, look, I'm. It is very difficult. I have. To, uh, there's. There's no point saying it's, it's an easy is an easy job. It is difficult, and as I say, that's how it's uh, that's how it's done. We we uh, um, uh, we evaluate all the needs. We bring them for the city development. We bring them to the city councillors. They vote on it if necessary. If it's by consensus, fine and good. What the city needs are, but uh, they vote in particularly contentious matters. Um, th- th- as I say. Take an example there. um, The the city's population is getting older and younger at the same time. So we have to provide more more schools at one end, and we have and we're lacking in this at the moment. um, The provision of uh, quality step-down facilities for 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 older people um, uh, you know that that's not just the old conventional uh, uh, sheltered housing scheme or, or, or aged persons complex there is a there's a that's one area that we need to be looking at um, um, the other uh, um, issue that you're I think you' you're, you're home in on there is how you get say uh, quality uh, density in an area uh, that's, pre- that's pre- uh, predominantly two storey and maybe and and uh, middle class and they, re- they they do not want change and they want to keep the value of their properties up. Look, it's uh, it's we we have to think if we talk about thinking of the city. Sustainably, the sustainability is not just about keeping the, the the carbon footprint down. The sustainability is about how do you how do you make the city a good place for future generations. And rather than me just say future generations, oh, uh, I'll, I'll object to that because that means higher apartments next to me. It's it is about your. Your relatives—it's about your son's, daughter's, nieces, nephews. It's about—it's about their future. So we need to th- to recast the thinking about how we can live together in the city and have and wor- uh, get our work and all that clo- as close as possible to each other. So we we do have to give and take, and that's that's what I keep trying to influence all of the time and you know, whoever I'm dealing with—that uh, uh, that, that uh, we have to make mixed. Sacrifice is too strong a word, but we have to have give and take in the city in order to make it attractive for for the maximum number of people.
0: In planning, we hear sometimes a lot about SDZ, Strategic Development Zones. Um, How do these function? Where do they work well and where do they falter, do you think?
2: Um, Yeah, we have... uh, Three uh, three SDZs, they say at the moment, Grange, Gorman, uh, the the Docklands, uh, and and down at uh, Poolebeg, the old glass bottle site. Um, uh, Where are they working? Where where they work well is with massive brownfield sites, uh, um, uh, and they work well when you've got uh, maybe just four or five major major landowners where you can where you, that you can um, uh, corral together and 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 uh, uh, make make a master plan that uh, for, uh, on behalf of them all. So the benefit is that the STZ is an area. Um, it's designated by government as important for the, for, uh, for this for the, for the, for the country and the master plan uh, is produced and uh, to give certainty so people know exactly both investors and residents and uh, knows exactly what where the streets will be what height will the buildings will be and what uses will be next to them and the, and the, the trade-off there for that for that uh, for that certainty is that everyone knows what they're buying into. And in order to make sure it happens, then you forgo your right of appeal to the board So So, uh, so a scheme that comes forward in an STZ is either approved or refused. The other benefit of an STZ is that we put more, usually more resources into it than than other parts of the city. Than looking after the public realm, make sure uses are good because they're because they're special. So that's really the benefit of a, of an STZ. It's it, it's, it's trading off. Um, uh, cert- it's to, get, it's to give certainty for investors and for and for for residents, but of course, as an SDZ goes forward five, six, seven, eight years, it um, uh, it 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 might need to be amended or changed, and that that is very difficult to do. Um, and as you know, we have uh, as, as the government has asked us to re- review the heights in in um, the Docklands SDZ, which we have done, and we've sent that down to Bord for their consideration.
0: How much impact then does, like, so you have your plan and it's very kind of multifaceted but and, mm-hmm. and influenced by different things or whatever, but like how much impact does the Department of Housing and let's say ministerial orders have on your work? Because in the last like five years, let's say there's been a lot mm-hmm. of chatter about um, ministerial interventions, let's say. Um, where maybe the department or the minister at the time, Owen Murphy, wanted something to be accelerated rather than the council or the planning department itself.
2: Well, the, I suppose the, the the first thing to say is that um, the the city council and the de- the development plan and the planning system has to operate within uh, uh, gov- government uh, policy and government guidelines. So. When the minister um, makes 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 pronouncements under Section Twenty Eight, as they call them, um, uh, we we have to we have to abide by those. Um, the last, uh, so f- for instance, our apartment standards a few years ago were 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 quite generous. Uh, they were they, they looked for uh, things a dual aspect in the majority of cases and for etc uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, the ministers uh, changed that emphasis in order to increase the supply because that, because the, the, the development industry said that if we if we reduced those daylight standards, uh, the supply would would, would increase and costs would come down. Um, again, uh, uh, more more recently, co living. There's been um, uh, uh, the, the ministers decided to to curtail co living. Um, th- th- we have to abide by by those. Oh, of course, the other one is the height standards. Um, now, that was because in our in our development, last development plan, uh, the minister deemed that the blanket height approach over the city, where there was four or five stories in some areas, eight stories in the other areas, and that was it. Um, was that was that was too much of a blanket policy? Um, look, I, whether or not that uh, those uh, a lot of people, a lot of councillors think that the that the the government is intervening too much in, in, in local matters, um, uh, but I, one way or the other, I have to I have to uh, work with with government policy. Um, for instance, with height, there, in the new development plan, we will be looking closely at the height, and we will um, absolutely not uh, not be having a blanket height approach. We will look at a, a height in a different way by, use, by using a different methodology and how we can control and manage height.
0: Hmm. I guess on the the kind of construction cost thing, like developers obviously wanted the the construction industry and development industry wanted those guidelines changed. So they could increase density, so the cost will come down. But cost yeah. hasn't come down, has it? I mean, it, construction cost seems to be absolutely no. sensational in Dublin City.
2: No, it, it, it has not come down. And uh, that was the that was the argument of um, the, the planning authority here uh, at the at the outset. Um, mm. So we knew um, about, uh, back in back in two thousand seven eight um, when uh, when this country as a whole was outputting. It's eighty to ninety thousand houses per per year. Uh, some of them in the wrong places, of course. But 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 eighty or ninety thousand That's that's that that was near. Uh, that was nearly the level that was going out of output in England. But in those years, prices still went up. So so it is it is it is. The, the the link between housing supply and costs is is, is not there the, the housing market is different from from other economic other economic markets um again we have uh, just by way of information we have we have a bit uh planning permissions out there uh for about eighteen thousand apartment units now uh, if you know there's a, well they're not they're not they're not built you know i know there are pressures on the on the development sector about getting uh, but um if if those were built that might but that that might ease the uh, the situation somewhat but i think look it's about the amount of money and the amount that's in the, in the economy and amount of lending in the economy that's more important than 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 land supply. And but l- land value is another important thing. But that's that that would be another issue. Do you remember there was a a report uh, done twenty thirty years ago about um, land values and how you capture land values? But uh, it was never implemented. Uh, mm. uh, so that is a matter. For, for government, how how you but to me as a as a planner working in the city here, the, one of the most effective ways of making uh, more affordable housing would be to manage the control of the of the, of the land underneath the apartments.
1: Mm, definitely. Do you think, John, the planning department in the council gets too much stick from the public?
2: Um. Well. <laughs> a, we do get a lot of stick from the public, but that's because people, uh, people, uh, um, so uh, maybe over think we have overreach, think that we control every aspect of society. Um, you know, we don't manage every aspect of society. We we, we mainly control. Uh, uh, uh building streets placemaking that 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 sort of thing um some some uh, if you're in a bad mood sometimes you say that uh, uh, if it's good architecture architects are given the praise for it but if it's if it's bad architecture's planners are, play, uh, are blamed or for it but uh, that would be too be, uh, be too pessimistic now we do get stick um but look uh we're professionals who we have a job to do and there's the, and there's uh, there's there are far bigger games at the end of the day when you the quiet satisfaction of seeing seeing a brownfield area turned around or a or, or a, a, a pedestrian realm uh, increased or or new cycling areas, all of those things. Or uh, uh, th- there's things that I personally want to see, uh, more living over the shop, uh, but it's uh, difficult at the moment. But there are small wins like that that cumulatively um, give you a sense of satisfaction.
1: Hmm. You, you were saying there that you don't uh, control all of society, but if it comes down to how we're planning our cities, who does have the whole control of that. Like if we are saying we don't have enough like leisure spaces or we d- like, is it the market that's deciding that or do we have a handle on that from a planning perspective?
2: Um, well, we do, sorry, we do have a handle on that, but I'll give you an example. You know, we we do work closely, of course, with uh, with our roads department, our parks department uh, about, about spaces, exter- ex- public realm, those are spaces, but if you're to talk about uh, uh, spaces uh, for cultural spaces for uh, um, uh, or for for music or whatever, we we can provide those. Uh, you can ins- you can put a policy in that uh, every s- development over a certain size must have a must have a, a box or an area of the ground for whatever for for culture artistic space. Um, but th- that has to. Well, that has to be realistic uh, it ha- what we cannot control it is the price of that or the vo- or, or, or so um, you could have a, you could if you, if you you could have a high vacancy rate there if it's, if it's too pri- if it's too expensive to occupy you know so that's an example of where um, uh, planning uh, we can we can have policy to provide the space surely but then there are other other aspects to be to be considered as well.
0: Okay, let's talk about the city development plan because it's one of the few opportunities I think um, members of the public have to contribute to the long-term kind of, or well, short-term, really sure. short, medium-term um, yeah. planning of the city. Yeah. What is the city development plan? What can it do and what can't it do?
2: That's a massive question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, city, the, city, the city development plan um, is is a, a, a six year framework uh, for for, uh, for uh, uh, this uh, for the for, it contains both a vision and a strategy and a Increasingly, it is for the sustainable development of the city, um, uh, and it's about coordinating all of those things that make up the city um, uh, b- uh, b- both the buildings, the uses of the buildings, the streets that link buildings and, c- and frame buildings, uh, the, uh, the public transport, and then all of the social infrastructure, physical and social infrastructure uh, that makes up the city. So, it's about coordinating all of those things uh, uh, because, like it or not, the city. Is is going to grow, as I said at the outset, uh, sixty thousand people anticipate in, ne- in the next six years. So we have to make um, uh, the city development plan is how how placemaking uh, and and uh, uh, and uh, the infrastructure changes to, to, to make to make to make to make all of those, to make that to provide for that extra population and the associated employment, etc., etc. So that's essentially what the city development plan does. Right.
1: Um. John, how important is culture and cultural facilities when planning a city? And this is kind of a dual question because, personally, I'm very invested in club culture and how clubs and nightclubs are never really considered as part of a cultural remit. That they kind of are seen as often a nuisance or whatever. Um. So and there's never uh, maybe any step to protect club culture because we've had such a decimation of club spaces and there's, there's really not very many places left to dance. So yeah. when it comes to making a city, how do we, A, make that a priority, but also make that part of culture and then how important is culture in general? So it's kind of a wide-ranging question.
3: Well,
2: well to, to, to take the, the, the broad one first, uh, culture and cultural facilities extremely important to the city. Um, uh, uh, as you know, the identity of Dublin, or a good part of the identity, is on us. is, is, is on its culture. Um, and that's how we express our character um, through our literature, through uh, you know our music, uh, etc. So that's that is part of the identity and character of a city. It's not just bricks and mortar. Um, the other important part of it uh, uh, for us as as, as planners, as we as we go plan our new growth areas and uh, and brownfield areas, is that is that um, culture is helps with social cohesion, and then going back again uh, to think about um, you know the recent thing about with COVID, not. Culture and co- appreciation of culture helps with our well-being as well. It helps society and, and uh, in, in general. So, at the broad and high level, culture is extremely important, and and we've got to lace that in, in, into into uh, uh, into the development the development of our of our city. Um, uh, club culture, yeah, um, we have started to uh, start work uh, looking at other cities about the the nighttime economy and how the nighttime economy uh, can include uh, provide for club culture we have also the mixed-use philosophy for the city but as you know as you know as you as you work cheek by jowl with mix of uses we have to be very careful about making sure that um uh, uh, say a say club, culture, dance, culture. Uh, uh, if, it, if it goes into beyond midnight, three, four, five, that we're not alienating an area around it, or to, to, for residential living, or the uh, so. But we have to think carefully about that. There, um, if there are ideas out there, and I'd welcome ideas because the development plan uh, first stage consultation is out at the moment. If the people have ideas, how you can. Uh, promote club culture as part of the evening economy, and in turn as part of the mixed use philosophy of your city, and as a part of, of 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 city Make. I'd welcome those views. We would take them on board, surely.
0: Brill, and that brings us to the the kind of the practical part and the instructive part for our listeners. Yeah. Let's say you have an idea. You figure out what you want in Dublin city. How does somebody go about making a submission to um, potentially influence the city development plan? Like, is it complicated?
2: No, it's not. the uh, The first th- the first thing to say is that the the city development plan uh, uh, takes takes nearly two years to make. So there are three stages of public consultation. At the moment, we're in the first stage of public consultation. Okay, so the first stage of publication it's out now from just before Christmas, and uh, it'll be uh, uh, the closing date is the twenty second of February. So. Between now and the twenty second of February, go on to the Dublin City Council website, Dublin City Development Plan. IE, uh, or, or just, uh, just go on to the website, uh, um, and then you can see there's a dedicated Dublin uh, Plan website, you know, as a Dublin City Development Plan. IE, and there's, a, there's a, 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 a portal there where you make your submission. It's free, you don't have to pay, for, or, or you don't, it doesn't have to be done by a consultant. You'd All I ask is that. Uh, Because we we read them all, um, that it be concise, that it be relevant to uh, to 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 the city and to plan to to the planning of a city, Um, and that if possible uh, have a solution. Because we are human beings here as planners as well, and it was purely negative stuff all the time. Uh, You know, you you think, oh my god, I'd I'd love to hear somebody with a solution or a planning solution. That'd be great. Uh, But make those to us. The other thing is you do know, the conventional way of writing to the development plan team uh, at, at, the, at the civic offices here at Wood Quay, double eight. Just write in the conventional way and we'll read all of those letters. So you have two ways of coming in, either the website, a um, uh, uh, dedicated website or the, uh, by, by, by writing by letter. Not a, so you're kind
0: of looking for like proactive solution, yeah. like a vision as opposed to someone giving out to you about something I, in time.
2: Oh, I don't. I, look, I'm, uh, I don't, I don't want to say I'm thick skinned, but giving out, uh, we, we take giving out a lot, but uh, it, it, it'd be great to get some. So like that which you talked which we talked about the nighttime economy. And so if somebody can forward ideas or comes we would certainly, we we'll certainly relish looking looking into those ideas, yeah.
0: How much of an impact do those submissions from the public
2: have? They have they have uh, uh, uh a, a big impact, uh, uh well, sorry, impacts to influence is the word I'd use. Uh, right. uh, they have a big influence because what happens, all of the submissions are read here by, by, by the development plan team. They're all, they're all collated mm-hmm. into themes and then. And then uh, issues and uh, the and a response to the issues is put in a report and that report is is sent to the sixty three city councillors. The city the sixty three city councillors then consider that report and, uh, uh, in depth and they put forward motions that and bring it to their to their meeting in in June uh, for the first stage here and. And then they, uh, from that, they give directions to us as the as the uh, uh, officials of the planning department as to what shape the draft development plan should take. And then that draft draft development plan over the summer and uh, uh, the autumn goes through another iteration. So you can see right away how important it is to, to influence the plan from an early stage. I might add uh, the only thing uh, that you can... You can't make submissions on at this early stage is zoning. Zoning is for, if you, uh, I'll explain the logic of that for you. At this point, we're looking at all of those things I've talked about good place making, the uses of the city, the direction the city should be going. Um, but the, then once we've set that in place, then the Ideas for zoning and what land should be rezoned uh, is the follow-up, the, uh, fo- the next stage in order to implement or to put to put bones on the put bone put flesh on the on the on the bones of the, of, of of the of what the council will have agreed as the direction of the city the city development plan.
1: Amazing. Hopefully, now all our listeners get going and make some submissions on that. Um, But before we let you go, we have two quick questions. Um, What do you think of the general argument that the council should be building and providing public housing at a greater rate than private developers?
2: Uh, well, uh, uh, first of all, I, w- I wouldn't set the rate that private developers are doing as a, as, a, as a benchmark uh, <laughs> uh, to do. To, 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 but certainly um, w- uh, the council uh, should be building more social housing. But my personal thing is that um, I want to get away And as planners, we want to get away from the thing of just a, a polarised social public housing and then private housing. We want to provide a gradation of housing, where um, uh, there's a, a mix of tenure, more affordable housing uh, typologies are mixed up. Uh, where it won't be, you won't have getaways, ghettos uh, getaways versions of housing and salubrious versions. Of housing. That's what I'd like to get to. But certainly, we should be ramping up on social and affordable uh, housing, uh, 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 affordable housing for people on on on, on uh, lower lower income. You know, or uh, for reasonable income so that's my amb- ambition yeah as a personal ambition i did sorry your next question i forgot it i've for- forgotten it
1: the final question um, oh, we have a feature in uh, united ireland called it's bananas and we uh, it has kind of steered into this area uh, where we basically are calling co-living bananas the sheer amount of it but also I suppose who wants to live it in and the type of life it provides. So, what's the logic behind co living? Keep getting the nod and permission, even though it's been banned. But we still, we I suppose we have uh, Jervis Street getting the nod, uh, and also uh, Fibsborough. There's uh, an uprising against the co living out there. What's the why? Does it keep getting uh, the go ahead? Well, uh,
2: as you. Keep us too strong a word. There is there is a limbo period for applications that were submitted um, uh, 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 just before the minister's uh, final order came in. They they will be assessed on their merits um, uh, before uh, you. Know, uh, but as from the minister's final order, um, the, 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 those applications will will, will not will, are deemed not acceptable. The reason uh, f- the reason co living was brought in, in the first place, and I'm not by, uh, by giving you the reason. I'm not saying I'm condoning or supporting it. Co-living was meant to be a temporary type of accommodation for key workers, uh, mainly for high-tech workers and foreign for investment workers. So for that, to that extent, th- that, those, that type of living is for, for, well, for, 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 for temporary living. They're meant to be for principally around the Docklands and on major high, uh, tra- high quali- high fast transport routes close to that area. So um, uh, there are some areas where there are high capacity bus routes or loose lines close to, where you can get in in five ten minutes to to the to the to the, to the, the financial services area that where co living is important. Our concern throughout throughout and it's always been our concern is that. Um, if if co living became a permanent solution, that would be highly worrying for us, um, and that was our concern throughout. But and we conveyed that uh, to 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 uh, the minister as well before he made his, his, his recent decision.
0: Fair enough. Um, Thanks so much for for that, John. That's been really informative. We talk a lot about the city on this podcast and it's really great to get a a planner's perspective and I think our listeners will find it really instructive. So thanks for for joining us. It's John O'Hara, City Planner with Dublin City Council.
2: Thank you very much. Pleasure.
1: What's getting in the sea? It's really depressing this week that I've loads of things for Getting in the Sea and it's bananas and not one bit of good news or fave bits. I was literally like, oh, this is the pits this week. Okay, so we'll kick off. Getting in the Sea. Splish splash. Uh, splish splash. Uh, Fina Gale and Fina were taking a bath when they snuck their Gulfgate Senators back in on the day the mother and baby home report came out. and um, It just... So the pits of how that was they strategically chose to hide news on a day when something so overwhelming and tragic was happening that they were using it to their benefit and I just it just hit really hard I think that there could be the capacity to act like that and I know that there's always strategic hiding of news going on but that was just so base. It was just so violent, I felt.
0: Cynicism. Party politics.
1: <laughs> Next up on Getting in the Sea, uh, get the swimming trunks out, Stephen Donnelly, because the way he spoke to Catherine Connolly in the convention centre uh, on Wednesday evening was so rude, so entitled, so... Like all those adjectives that we can put in there. It was just the absolute pits. And like the growl for Catherine Connolly is is huge uh, from this podcast for sure. And not that that matters because the, the rudeness of it cuts through anything. And the fact that he would not speak to a man like that. There is no... No doubt about it, and the fact that Catherine Connolly is like so, so soft, and like f- she's so firm in her- all her ways, but like it- you're just like piss off, Stephen. You- absolute, like don't be such a dick. Um. So that was that one, and finally, my getting in the sea is like uh, busybodies, COVID busybodies in particular, but busybodies at any time, like. Get a grip, take up a hobby, do a jigsaw, piss off. Great. <laughs> and now
0: it's, it's bananas.
1: Uh, so it's bananas. What's bananas? It's our special It's Bananas co-living segment. Um, So, Jervis Street co-living development has been given the go-ahead. Yes, it's true. Um, After all our talk about how it was being banned, uh, we now have another development that is getting the go-ahead. And actually, today I saw that CATU, C-A-T-U, have a public um, organizing group, and they are... uh, Canvassing against Fibs for shopping centres owners MM Capital, who um applied for three hundred and twenty one tiny co living units on the site before the ban came in. So they are uh, a group of local tenants organising to fight unwanted co living in our community. Join us to fight back. So if you are in the area, um, you can look up uh, C. Glass Nevin um to get on board with fighting the co living fight. Um, but I just think. It continues to be bananas how this keeps rolling out when we know that, like, the only people benefiting from it are developers. I think, as well, like, so they're putting like 120
0: co living spaces on top of the Jervis Street shopping center. Um, and I just feel like, how cool would it be to have actual gaffes in that location? And what a nonsense this is. Also, sorry, I'm taking over your risk, Bananas, Andrea, but <clears throat> I had hopes uh, re-the housing minister, Daryl Breen, because I felt like nobody wants to continue on Murphy's legacy and maybe a Fianna Fáil minister as opposed to a Fine Gael minister now would be good in reaction because obviously not like... You- I don't see how somebody in Fianna Fáil in charge of housing can yield good things because we know what they're like with housing. But maybe I thought, okay, maybe in reaction, even from a political point of view, Dara Breen will try and like have the opposite type of vibe as Ellen Murphy, who, as we know and have well documented, uh, has a really bad legacy as housing minister. But then um, Dara Breen had a piece in the Irish Times column, which, whatever, It was very badly written and kind of it just annoyed me because it's like it was very deflating in terms of the ideas that were being put out there. Um, Obviously, this um, one of the main things that he was saying was about like, we can't allow ideologies to impact housing policy. And it's this constant thing where people in. Um, Fine and Fianna Fáil refused to see their own ideologies and think they are ideology lists It's like what you're doing also comes from an ideology. He also attacked opposition parties like nobody cares, just please build public housing and was saying that, you know, good is better than perfect. And this kind of pushing of the It'll Be Grand development model is what's wrong. And also talking about the equity share model that the government is pushing like this 30% equity share, which is just going to push up house prices. That's just what's going to happen.
1: Everyone has come back and said, this is a bad idea. Economic experts, everyone literally like, no, no, no. They're like, we'll do it.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, just
1: a little intervention there, rehousing. Uh, what else is bananas? Loads of bananas shit this week. Um. I just feel like it is so bananas that people who have a faith Live your best faith life. I'm all for that. But people who maybe are not religious, who are partaking in the business of the church, who don't maybe, I, whatever your beliefs are, but like having christenings, communions, weddings and funerals just for the sake of it. Like so many people about communions, are, oh, we didn't want him or her to be left out as they dress their child brides and uh, grooms up and, um, weddings for the photographs you want the picture in the church it's like when we're in a position of what's going on how you can take the decision to partake in the business of the church like you can have your beliefs and faith and have all of that you don't need to be part of this uh, conglomerate essentially who are do- who have, like i was talking to someone it was like if that was an influencer or a celebrity and they did what the church had done like the cancellation not to bring it back to cancellation but like they'd be in jail like it's just it's. i just can't get my head around it and i just would like to say that it's absolutely bananas fair
0: and now for our fave bits jesus thank god finally <laughs>
1: What are your fave bits this week, Andrea? I really was like, what have I done culturally? Nothing. What have I watched that's worth talking about? Nothing. Read anything? No. Fab. That's a good fave bit, isn't it? So then I decided, do you know what my fave bit is? My fave bit is all the women who are doing all the graft and being so iconic and pushing things through. The likes of Dr. Maeve Rourke, the likes of Catherine Corliss. Catherine Connolly, Holly Kearns, Kayleen Hogan, Ivana Bacic, AOC, Stacey Abrams, Jacinda Arden, Miriam Lord, just all these absolute like I was going to say sheroes but like that's scarlet but like just really women who are just knuckling down getting the job done getting things over the line and it's just when you compare it to the um men who are in this maybe higher roles or whatever who are making bumbling messes of things it just is really stark at the moment of how amazing and important it is to have women in these roles or creating these roles in politics and yeah that's my that's one of my my favorite also as a complete antithesis to that is i've stumbled across this program on netflix and it's called dream home makeover so far so good but it is the funniest it's not the funniest thing it's it's presented by the whitest woman ever and the like the interiors that she does over are the most american whitest woman makeovers ever and it's just phenomenal to watch to be like how is this real life and how has this got to show and like it starts off like I just did up my house and I put up pictures on Instagram and everyone loved it so then I've started doing these makeovers and they're like these million dollar makeovers where she's building like basketball courts and everything's painted white and then it's like she has this like interior shop where she has all these like ornaments that she just stacks is that too much stacking do we need to stack this a bit more and it's like there's no like the houses she's doing they don't have any of their own belongings it's all her like stuff it's just the most bananas program and it's really been a really great escape to watch
0: Mm, I think we definitely need a dose of escapism and distraction at the moment um My five bits, I just finished um, Annie McManus's, aka Annie Max, debut novel, um, which I really enjoyed. And um, it's a bit of a difficult story, like a lot of like intergenerational trauma stuff going on. But again, when we're talking about <clears throat> distractions, I know it's not really a distraction, but I really enjoyed it. Um, another thing that is a fave bit of mine is you're turning into a robot there uh, on the recording, Andrea. (laughs) Another thing that is a fave bit of mine is, that was was what? Bananas. Bananas, okay, cool. (laughs) Another thing that's a fave bit of mine is um, Lancome's merch at the moment. One of my favourite bands. I just ordered a zine that they have put out that um, talks about some of their, uh, the history and stuff behind some of the songs they've recorded. And they just have really great long sleeve Sweaters and stuff.
1: As I was saying, the person who designed them is Zoe Bonney, who did the Lady on the Rock scene. She also did the Murder Capitals uh, merch as well. She's fab. Fab. Good on her. And my
0: other fave bit is Pretend It's a City, uh, which is on Netflix. It's kind of a series um, made by Martin Scorsese with Fran Leibovitz. And she's just like banging on about New York and being very like sardonic and stuff. You can't really binge it though because after a while you're like she's just being quippy and giving out about things but in small doses it is highly enjoyable so those are my fave bits gorgeous this podcast is produced by Andrew Mangan of Castaway Media Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack and Sarah Fox did all of our design
1: now tuna chicken roll time as I was thinking of what would we go with I was thinking of my fave bit of all the absolute queens who are doing amazing stuff So the tuna chicken roll this week is Queen's dissatisfaction. I've been Una Mullally I've been Andrea Horan
0: This has been United Ireland
1: And that was
3: Planning the City Leave your face at the door Turn off your swag check your bag, from your limbs to your timbs, get down, but whatever you do, hey, my room,